this is your host Elias Smile, and um, I have a really good guest for you guys today. Uh, someone who is specialized in so many things that are important to us. So um, her name is Karen Nordin. She is a PhD candidate focusing on health behavior change. Uh, she is a curriculum consultant for wellness and health, and she's a practicing nutritional coach. So whether it comes to uh, having enough energy for having any uh, sugar addictions, for having any um, uh, any heartburn or any problems that we have to be more productive and be more healthy, she has a lot of answers. So let's go ahead and let's start with the question of um, what would be, if, if someone's looking for energy and longevity, what do you recommend? Energy and longevity. Um... Okay, so I believe that there are essentially four pillars of health, and those pillars are stress, sleep, nutrition, movement. And so really all four of those are sort of like levers that you can pull, and if you work on one of them, your longevity will increase in just overall, right? And so there's kind of two approaches. There's a approach where you attack the lowest hanging fruit. So you look at the thing that you're doing the best. Maybe you're really good at making, getting your movement done every day. And if you increase that a little bit, that's also going to increase your longevity. And so you can work on that since it's something that you're familiar with, or um, it's something that you're already doing. Or you can take another approach, which is essentially like the big lever approach where you focus on something that you're not doing at all, right? Maybe you're thinking a little bit about movement and you're thinking a little bit about sleep and stress, but you haven't even touched your nutrition. Well, if you then start to work pretty avidly on nutrition, that pillar is going to shoot upwards and you're going to see more longevity and health overall. Interesting. That's, that's a, that's a really good approach of, of breaking it down so many areas. Mm -hmm. So let's see if you, uh, what, what ideas do you have that if someone wanted to have um, more energy and they, they do the workouts, like they, they say, okay, I know about a little bit of cardio. I sleep my seven hours. Uh, but I don't know what else I can do. I, I feel tired. Um, what, what do you recommend? Um, so this is going to depend a lot person to person. And this mm -hmm. is part of the reason why I work with clients one-on-one -on -one individually most of the time, because it's really all about finding the reason that you're tired. I will say that a lot of people, especially in the sort of health and wellness and productivity industry, um, have been sucked into the idea, particularly women, um, that we need to be eating like really low amounts of calories per day for overall health. So something like 1200 calories a day. If someone's trying to lose weight, they'll eat 1200 calories a day. And then they're like, Oh, why am I tired all the time? Like, what can I do? And it's like, well, 1200 calories a day is approximately the caloric need of an active four-year-old. So if you're a woman eating 1200 calories a day, you need to be eating more. So I would say overall, the number one thing you can do with your nutrition in order to give yourself more energy, in order to sleep better, in order to start to like see that cascading effect over your entire life is going to be to eat more and to pay more attention to your macronutrient breakdown and your micronutrient breakdown. So are you getting in enough whole foods? Are you eating in enough fruits and vegetables? And are you getting enough protein for your body every day? 
That's really interesting. That reminds me that there was a time where I just went almost completely vegetarian. So I uh, made, I was getting those, uh, those wraps, spinach wraps, the, the bread was made out of spinach and everything. And I felt like I had reserves of energy, like way more energy than I ever thought I could have. Um, and then when I went back mm -hmm. to eat meat again, I got really lethargic. So is there a correlation between maybe alkaline or is there getting your protein? There's like, there's like all these questions that I have that um, uh, I think a lot of people would have. That how do you stay alkaline and get your protein and eat enough? Yeah, so the whole alkaline thing is actually a big myth. Um, there's really not enough scientific evidence to support that, like, we need to keep our bodies in an alkaline state. Like, if you look at research, right, I'm a PhD candidate, so I'm very familiar with how research is done. You will find that a lot of times popular media and websites and books take one study that has been done on, like, 250 people. Most of the time, those 250 people are, like, white freshman college students. And they take those results and they generalize it to the entire population, right? Whereas the good science and the science that we need to trust and rely on does something called a meta-analysis. So a meta-analysis happens when you actually do a study analyzing tens, if not hundreds of other studies and looking at the results across all of those studies. So if you look at meta-analyses on like, keeping your body alkaline, there's really like no science behind that whatsoever. What I will say is that a lot of people when they start eating vegetarian or they start eating vegan, what's actually happening is that they are boosting the amount of micronutrients they're getting. So they're eating like four times as much fruit and vegetables as they had been before. And a lot of times, especially people who go vegan, are eating a lot more fat because they're eating a lot more nuts, right? And people in sort of these meat-based lower fat diets often stray away from fat because they're like into this like fat is bad thing. And so when you start to get, fat actually helps your body absorb micronutrients. So you go vegan, you're eating more fat and you're eating more fruits and vegetables. All of a sudden your body is not starved of nutrients anymore. And so you feel great. And it's not actually the fact that you, took meat away from your diet that made you feel great. It's the fact that you replaced it with all these other awesome things, right? So I would like, I would say that a lot of my clients, I would encourage them to eat plant-centered, right? Where we're looking at making fruits and vegetables a really, really big focus in our diet, but plant-centered or even plant-based doesn't necessarily mean you have to eliminate meat. That's really interesting. I was actually, I've been doing research. I'm really into <laughs> similar topics. So I was finding that there were articles that um, although people who are going vegan or vegetarian were living longer, it wasn't because of the food they were eating, but the, the type of person who puts that much effort into their health tends to live longer than the person who's really lazy. And the people who are lazy just happen to eat a lot more meat and cheese and pizzas and stuff like that. Yeah, well, and I would, I would caution us against using the word lazy because I don't think laziness is it at all. It actually <laughs> has a lot more to do with socioeconomic factors and we don't want to mix those up with laziness because that's a pretty racist mix up, right? So if you think about it, the people who are vegan mm -hmm. are generally more affluent. They have the money to buy fresh foods and vegetables. 
they're not living in a food desert, so they have access to fresh foods and vegetables. And that money is probably getting them access to higher quality healthcare, different knowledge when it comes to health and fitness. They're probably able to access the gym, right? There's tons of other factors that correlate, not aren't causation, it's correlation with mm -hmm. the veganism that make those people able to live longer. On the other hand, you have people who are, you know, economically struggling, right? They might be racial minorities. And so there's a lot going on in the world that adds to that stress. There have actually been studies showing that if you're a racial minority in America, that has adverse health consequences, sheerly because of the amount of discrimination that goes on. And so that is a huge reason why you come up with these studies that are like, oh, veganism is the key to health. No, vegan is the key, veganism is the key to health because the people who are vegan, a lot of times, are white affluent people. And being white and being affluent is actually a huge advantage to long-term health right now. That makes sense. So suppose that I needed to um, eat healthier, but on a budget, what are things you'd, you'd recommend me so I can get my macros that you mentioned earlier? Yeah, so um, a couple really easy tips are buying cheaper fruits and vegetables and buying in bulk. So a lot of people in the like bougie health and fitness world will demonize like canned or frozen vegetables, but canned or frozen vegetables and fruits are just as good as the regular ones. And they're generally a lot cheaper. So that's a great way to sneak some easy fruits and vegetables in is to just get them in cans, get them frozen and try to sneak those into your diet. Um, buying in bulk too. So things like um, rice are really cheap when you buy them in bulk. Beans are really cheap when you buy the big bags. And all of those things are really beneficial to your health as well. Um, and then in general, just one of the really basic things that you can do that doesn't cost any money is paying attention to your own hunger and fullness cues and really tuning into like what your body is actually telling you about when you're hungry and when you're full. Wow, that, that transitions perfectly to what I want to ask you next. Um, so I was, I was a bio major at some point. I switched over. Uh, but I do remember that they were saying, if you do want to lose weight, there's low-carb diets. But if you do want to lose weight, there's high-carb diets. And if you want to lose weight, there's an Atkinson diet. And so it looks like there's a lot of diets that work. So um, what, what do you recommend if someone is either trying to lose their first 20 pounds and like I can't get rid of it and I get demotivated or they're like I need to get rid of my last five pounds and they're just not going away what what diets do you recommend so to answer that question I will say the first like governing principle is that and this is what everybody fights over but I'm going to get to that in a minute is that whether or not you're losing or gaining weight comes down to calories in how much food you're taking in how much energy your body's getting versus calories out how much energy your body is burning. However, <laughs> it's really hard to understand and predict accurately either of those things. So when it comes to calories in, you have measurement inaccuracies. You have the fact that in the United States, at least food labels aren't required to be 100% accurate. They can be like between 10 and 20 calories off and that's per serving. So if you think about how many calorie difference that can be over the course of like a week, it's huge, right? So it's really hard to accurately understand the amount of calories you're taking in. It's also interesting because your body, 
reacts differently to different foods. So protein has what's called a thermogenic effect, which means it your body has to expend a lot of energy in order to digest it. And so all of a sudden, there's more calories out going on because your body is using more energy. And so that's why people who are anti-calories in, calories out, or do keto or whatever are like, oh, well, that's not it at all. And it's really because they've changed their calories in in a way that actually made a difference on the calories outside, okay? So that's the governing principle. With that said, I don't believe there's one best diet that's good for everybody. I believe like vegan, keto, paleo, Atkins, calorie counting, macro counting, like whatever it is, you need to find something that's enjoyable and sustainable for you. And if it's enjoyable and sustainable, you can adjust it in a way that will lead to weight loss. And the other thing I will say is that a lot of people, when they're trying to lose weight, when they're focusing so hard on diet and they're so frustrated because they can't eat the foods they want, da, 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 and their diet is actually adding so much stress to their life that it's causing the body to react to that stress, right? Stress is a very real thing in the body and your body will change depending on stress. So if your diet is stressing you out to the point where you're like, at your limit, then you might as well go off the diet because the diet's not going to help. So that's why it's beneficial to work with someone like a nutrition coach who can A, be a source of accountability and be an objective voice of reason to say like, okay, this is what we're going to work on this week. We can break down this big goal of yours into tiny steps. We can make it into habits and practices and actions that we can work on on a daily basis. Um, And we can make this a much less stressful process for you as you try to lose weight. That's really interesting. (laughs) That transitions to another question I had. Um, So I found that a lot of people were able to lose weight by eating chocolate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because um, so what I what I love about uh, teaching is creating habits that help you get the result you want to have and just you live the life of the result you want. Mm -hmm. And so what, what people would do is they would add chocolate to the end of their routine to get that get that dopamine hit and get that loop so they'd crave the workout again mm-hmm. so it was um um yeah so would would you recommend what would you recommend to help people solidify creating new habits since uh since you're a big <laughs> phd of phd candidate of habit change Yeah. So first of all, I would say that there's no such thing as a dopamine hit. That's like weird language that's popularized and it's not scientifically accurate. So I would stray away from that. Um, But, you know, habits are really important and I believe in habits and I believe in establishing patterns in our lives. But at the end of the day, it's not just habits that are going to help you. Like you have to have some amount of habit. You have to adjust your environment in ways that support your behavior. You have to tap into your motivation. You have to learn how to self-regulate. And above all, I think the number one thing that people are missing isn't like that one set of habits that's going to like magically kick them into success. Like I'm an expert in behavior change. I have all the habits in the world. And for years, like I was habit, habit, habit all day long, and I still didn't get what I wanted. And it's because there has to be a fundamental mental shift where you learn how to actually manage your mind. And so that happens with things like 
you know, cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. It can happen through motivational interviewing if you're trained in that. And so it's about, sure, it's about habits, but it's about what your thoughts are that are causing you to in those habits that you're taking our kids, your identity and your values. It's about whether or not your values are shifting based on those behaviors. So there's so much more going on here. And uh, we want to simplify it down to habits. But the problem is when we do that and when we're like, oh, habits can change your life, when they don't change our lives, then we feel like there's something wrong with us. So that's why I'm hesitant to base it just, base behavior change just on sheerly habits because the research says it's, it's way more than that. Okay. Yeah, there are, are a lot of factors, but I feel like habits are something that we can control and engineer that do drive us into the direction that we do want to go. And sure, right, sure. Mindset. Absolutely. But like a habit, it oftentimes, as soon as you fail that habit on the third or fourth day, then you come down on yourself, then it causes self-doubt and issues, right? And then you get into this cycle of like, this feeling of, I just can't do anything that I say I'm gonna do. And so if you don't manage your mind at the same time that you're creating habits, you're never going to succeed in those habits. That's my point. Hmm. The mindset uh, connected to a system together mm-hmm. are driving exactly. it forward. That's, that's really good information. That's really good uh, to hear. Um, let's see. Like you have answered most of my questions. Um, yeah, can you tell us maybe like what's like the most, um, the biggest result you've seen or the craziest uh, miracle story <laughs> that you have uh, on your end? Um, well, I'll tell you, you know, I'll tell you a little bit of my own story. So as, as a college freshman and a co- college sophomore, I was super into behavior change. And I had read at that point, like probably every self-help book in the book, in, in the universe, basically. Like I had read The Power of Habit and I had read Tiny Habits and I had read Better Than Before by Gretchen Rubin. And I had read The Marshmallow Test about willpower. Like I had done all of this pseudoscientific reading and I still like at the end of the day, couldn't get myself to do what I said I was going to do. Like that would be the end of it. I was a perpetual start overer. Like I would set these goals for myself at the beginning of the month and I would track habits for like the first four days and then I would fail and I would then beat myself up for failing and I would want to start over and I'd be like, okay, well, I'm just going to say like, screw it this weekend. And I'm going to start on Monday. And I had this big black and white perfectionist mentality. And throughout the past, I would say about three years ago, I started really working with a coach to address those mindset issues. And I started working with a nutrition coach. So I had, you know, very, very distinct objective feedback on my daily nutrition practices. And that has made a world of difference for me. So if you look at my life now, like I firmly believe I can create any result I want because I can manage my behavior. And when I say I'm going to do something, I can actually do it. Um, And so that has been like my biggest transformation going from someone who 
was struggling and like was you know failing in school and like wasn't I wasn't exercising at all I was eating like Funyuns and bean dip all the time like I was just on this like crazy college student diet not exercising had literally never been in the gym couldn't get myself to even go to class on time to now where I'm like managing a business coaching multiple people working at a nutrition company and like on a day-to-day basis doing the things I said I'm gonna do so if I had one message it's that you need to be compassionate towards yourself and you need to think more about your mindset than about your actions. That is really beautiful. And that's such an amazing transformation. So if people wanted to find you, what is the best way to find you? Sure. Um, so the majority of my business is run out of Instagram. So you can look me up. I'm The handle is Karin Nordine, PhDC. Um, just an FYI to anyone who's watching this, I am taking on one-on-one clients. Um, for a six month new year project. It's a one-on-one coaching slot. Um, I only have a couple available because they're pretty intense. So it's a one-on-one video call with me every week. Um, And then you also get daily journal prompts to work on your mindset and you get a weekly video lesson on nutrition. So you can learn all the stuff you need to learn. And the goal is at the end of the six months, you go on your way and you don't need a coach anymore because you've learned to be that voice for yourself. So If anyone's interested in that, let me know. Like I said, there are really limited spots. So I would try to let me know as soon as possible. Um, And they do start in January. Okay, perfect. And uh, in case anyone is listening from uh, audio-based only um, platform, can you spell out your handle, please? Yeah, it's K-A-R-I-N-N-O-R-D-I-N-P-H-D-C. And that's on Instagram. And that's also um, karinordinephd.com is my website, but there's not too much on there right now. Perfect. Thank you so much. And I think this was really helpful.